Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Building downtown. Hey, it's the Building Downtown. You can follow us on social media at The Building DT. You can follow and subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jason Kelly. You can follow me at MMA. Follow my co-host, Kirk Kasatsky at Curl Raps. My other co-host, Amy Barton at Ames Bell. Now, being the building downtown, we have guests from all walks of life, which means we have listeners from all walks of life. And we don't judge, but I guarantee you some of you are criminals. So today, <laughs> listen up. I'm going to save you a few bucks. You're going to get a free consultation from criminal defense lawyer Rick Frank. How's it going today, my man? Very good. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, we're going to have some fun. I'm glad you took some time out. And uh, I mean, I guess we got to we got to give Sh- Sharif his flowers, give him a shout out. I know you Sharif was on the show about six months ago. He's great. He gave us the cosign, which got you here. So thank you, Sharif. Thank so, you, Sharif. <laughs> so now that you're here, let's let's play some hypothetical games. So Will Smith slaps Chris Rock in the face. Chris Rock God. decides to press charges. Will Smith hires you. How do you defend him? <laughs> He does not have a great defense, but <laughs> I will say we'll pull the shaggy defense and say it wasn't me. You can't prove it was me. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? See, I look at that. Thing. Don't worry, we're not going to sit here and talk about celebrities all day long. But that thing seems just like because of the criminal side of it. I'm like, you can't. Chris Rock is employed by the Oscars for that night. You can't yeah. walk up to someone at their workplace during work hours, smack them in the face and walk away and face no repercussions. And then get an Oscar the same night. Yeah, they get an Oscar the same <laughs> night. I mean, Only you can if way. nobody presses charges. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. All right, Rick. So, I mean, it's pretty clear what side uh, the law cops are on, what side criminals are on. Uh, I've never, uh, the lawyers we spoke to before, I don't know why it's never, I've never thought of this. What side of the law does a criminal defense lawyer rest on? Mm-hmm. On the side that is non-carceral, that does not involve putting people behind bars, especially in Canadian jails that suck, mm. it's not a good place <laughs> to put people. Yeah, we had a uh, a guy who said served, what did Dirk serve again? For uh, forever. I think it is like 13, 13, 13 years. years or something for a murder that he didn't commit in, in Canada, in Ontario. And I remember when he was on, we were talking to him about, you know, you see so much about American prison systems and stuff. And I asked him, you know, how does it compare with the places he's been in Ontario? And he said that there's places here in, uh, in Milton and stuff like that, that they, they stack up against like a Rikers and things like that. Is it speaking to him J and plus unit, speaking to Sharif, J-Unit or something, yeah. speaking to Sharif as well, really opened my eyes that how similar and how fucked up this criminal justice system is, <laughs> just like the United States. So like, is it, I mean, uh, you know, you deal with, you know, criminals, criminal elements on a daily basis, people in prison, getting out of prison, going to prison, whatever it may be. Is it that fucking bad here? Like is the, the jail systems? It is. It's the only difference between America and Canada is we don't put people in jail for 500 years if that means something yeah. <laughs> you give them a determinate sentence for the most part yeah. but past that the jails are horrible the prisons are horrible they are torture chambers people yeah. die there and that's not a place to put human beings yeah yeah we spoke with Catherine. i forget her last name now from um 
uh, Windsor St. Leonard's halfway house. You familiar mm-hmm. with that place? Yeah. Yeah. And she said too, you know, it's a, it's a big, there's, there's a better way that incarcerating people when you put them in there, that doesn't rehabilitate anyone. So in your experiences, the people that you know, you've either represented or colleagues of yours have represented and they've went in and came out. Like how often do you see rehabilitation? Not often. Most people go in there and they become better criminals because they're around better, somewhat better criminals. So they learn the tools of the trade. They become a bit better when they get on the outside or on the flip side, they are traumatized. They are trying to figure out how to get back on their feet. They have Mm -hmm. no support system often or it's not a strong support system and then they don't come out better ever. Mm -hmm. It's, It's always worse. Or if they do come out better, it's because of their own personal resolve that they were able to develop. Um, prior to coming into jail often. And as far as your experiences so far, what do you think, like, obviously I'm sure you've got a laundry list of things you'd like to see changed, but what are some of the things that you'd narrow in on that you would really like to see changed first and foremost? Jail is a last resort that we only use for those who must be kept away from society, not the people who stole for a third time from LCBO, not the people who stole uh, some chocolate or something from from a grocery store, but the people who commit serious crimes that we cannot figure out how to deal with on the outside. Mm-hmm. And with uh, Canada, uh, what was like three years ago, marijuana became legal nationwide, right? Yeah. Uh, I know when I took a look at your Twitter account, uh, Cannabis Amnesty, um, yes. they're trying to do something to, to get uh, pardons for an estimated 500,000 Canadians <laughs> to have marijuana charges. I mean, an overtaking like that, how difficult is that? What is the process going to be? Is that even a realistic thing to ever happen, do you think? There's two ways to go about it. One way, Parliament can just do it themselves, and Mm -hmm. it will take not that long. It won't be that hard. It'll be a couple thousand pages of paperwork, and then we move on, and these people get to move on with their life. But Mm -hmm. for Cannabis Amnesty to do it, it's a significant undertaking for them because it's largely based on volunteers, it's work that is grueling. You have to go through the paperwork to get Parliament to do it. It's just a long, long process. And they changed the, the framework somewhat recently from pardons to record suspensions. And it's confusing. No one really gets it. I don't personally get it. And it's, it's not making it any easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the confusion when it, when it became legal, how freaking confusing was that? Because there was such a gray area. Someone like me, I, I smoke weed. I've smoked for a long time. Whether it's legal or not, I would have still been smoking it, right? <laughs> but for there's a lot of people that didn't really smoke weed before because they didn't know where to get it or they thought, you know, it's illegal, so I don't do it. It's legal now, I might try it, especially elderly people, right? And they don't have to go to like to a, to a shady-ass drug dealer to get it, right? They can go to these, <laughs> these dispensaries. But there's a ma- massive gray area there, especially when it came to driving under the influence. So for a person representing someone that gets arrested and charged after the legalization period, was there a lot of confusion for a lawyer, someone like yourself? There is a lot of confusion. The laws had to catch up and try to <clears throat> try to adjust. There hasn't been a full constitutional challenge, to my knowledge, um, about the legality of the laws and how they changed and mm-hmm. driving laws. And you can't smoke while you're driving, obviously, but what's the time frame between I stopped smoking at 6 a.m. That's early. 6 p.m. Yeah. And then I <laughs> Wow, dude. Wow. Now you know how lawyers live. <laughs> right, right. Forget the gin. Yeah. But if you stop smoking at 6 p.m. and you say, I have to pick someone up at 9, I should be fine. That makes sense to me. That's my experience. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out you get pulled over and the officer thinks you're impaired. What do you do? Mm-hmm. It's a question that 
has not been answered yet. I don't know what the answer is. I well, think that, how do they determine impairment in that case? Like there's not a breathalyzer to see your blood alcohol content. I think there was a, a tool that they were using out in BC, um, but often it's just based on indicia of impairment. They'll say, well, we saw you swerving, you were not indicating, your eyes are red, and you smell marijuana in the car. It's probably enough for us to arrest you. Yeah. Smell of marijuana is a little bit of an argument. I think give you that smell of marijuana. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But other than that, um, so for uh, have you have you had to represent anyone that got, you know, whether it's driving under the influence or any sort of weed charge that there was it landed in that gray area after legalization? I'm in that area right now. I have a case where a client uh, was in a vehicle with other people. Um, they were pulled over. Police saw a grinder in the car, uh-huh. opened the grinder, saw some uh, remnants of weed, mm-hmm. searched the vehicle and found two guns in the car. Oh, <laughs> that took a left. Well, turn. Oh. Oops. Jesus. So the question is, well, was that enough to just see a little bit of weed in the car and say, well, now we can search your vehicle. I can search your purse and I can do whatever I want. Was that enough to say that weed is a getaway driver? Yeah, that's the other thing, too, with the probable cause thing. I mean, that's got to be a load of shit because a cop could say whatever the fuck they want. Right. And then they're in, in your business. So for you, you're not there on site, right? How do you how do you defend that? How do you how do you present a case that says, look, this officer did not have probable cause to go further and find what they found? Challenge the reliability and credibility of the officer and say you couldn't have seen what you said you did, and even if you did, that's not enough. There was a case. Sorry, what is enough for a search for involving weed? For, well, for anything any, for, for anything you what, get pulled over be, and what yeah. would be enough for a cop to be like we're searching you for sure even if you don't want us to search you um if they see anything there's a thing called the plain view doctrine if they see anything in plain view they can mm-hmm. say oh that's suspicious let's let me search your vehicle mm-hmm. um it's usually that's that's the best way to go about it another way they can go about it is that they can make up uh you match a description this is a certain vehicle. That's my favorite I, part. I, I was told that in Toronto once by uh, by a detective. He told me if I keep getting lippy, I'm gonna match somebody's description. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not hard to match a description. It's not hard for the police. Like it takes an uncreative officer to make up something. You don't have to be a genius. You can say slurry, slurry words. Uh, you were not balanced properly. I smelled alcohol in your breath. Your eyes were red. I'm searching you now and getting you out of your vehicle. Mm. That's enough. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Uh, do you remember what you're going to say, Rick? You just brought up something. There was a case. There was a case this year. I don't know when it was. Hussein oh. Ali was, a, I believe it was Hussein Ali, who was the defense lawyer, mm. where the Crown relied on the officer who said they saw a stem, a weed stem in the vehicle. Mm. And that oh, was enough God. to search the vehicle. They got everyone out the vehicle. There's a theme that happens after this. They search the vehicle and they always find guns when they do this (laughs) Uh, so this guy was emptying his pockets as he was told to and then pulls out a gun puts it on the cop car and says yeah that's what i have on me and the court threw it out and said no that's not good enough i don't believe this officer had any real indicia of of uh trafficking essentially Okay. All you saw was a stem of weed in the car, and you thought, "I'm going to search this person's car," and that's just not enough. Yeah. So in that in, in in that case, even if they found the gun on you, you get to walk. 
depends. There's a balancing test. Kind of the question essentially is, is it in the administration, is it uh, best for the administration of justice for you to either walk after a charter challenge or to allow it in and say, even though the police uh, violated your constitutional right to be free from unlawful search and seizure, we're going to still allow it because this case is too serious. Like a murder case would be too yeah, serious. They're just going to say, sure. so if the gun is dirty, they're probably going to keep it in, right? They might. And it depends what it was, if it was used in another crime. Yeah. So that kind of yeah, stuff yeah. would impact it. Holy shit, eh? Do technicalities happen uh, very often? I mean, where somebody's facing something bigger and they, it gets thrown out on a technicality? I, I wouldn't call it technicality, um, okay. but it does It does happen a lot. It does happen quite often where police will make a mistake or make a bad decision, mm. and it ends up in a charter violation, a constitutional violation, and the case gets tossed. How pissed off does the judge get when that happens with the Crown? <laughs> Sometimes a judge would say something like, you know, it's much to my chagrin that I have to exclude this reliable piece of evidence, this gun, uh-huh. but I have to do it because the police fucked up so much that I, <laughs> I need to distance myself from it. I can't, I can't have the public thinking that I'm okay with this kind of behavior, but this is a really serious criminal who has done some really serious criminal shit mm-hmm. and should be in jail, but police fucked it up, so I do my job. So when yeah. you say charter and you say constitution, are those interchangeable terms in Canada? Yes, they are. Okay. Yes, Amy, ask those American questions. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> Is it you Sixth know. Amendment, perhaps? Eighth Amendment? Sixth Amendment? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Yeah, it's funny, though, especially, I mean, I can't speak for Americans, but for Canadians, because I... Uh, when I was younger, I went through the, the justice system a few times on the, on the wrong side of it. And uh, um, when I was younger, people... But, uh, so were you a prosecutor? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, the other wrong side, but yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I hear people talk about law stuff. and it's, I mean, <clears throat> fuck it. I'm not even going to try to compare like I know law like you or anything, right? But I know enough. And they say things like uh, the DA. And I'm like, you're in the wrong country, man. Uh, do you hear a lot of that shit? Especially, you know, say you're just talking to friends or family or whatever that don't know a damn thing about law. And they start telling you stuff and and you don't even bother correcting them. You're just like, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Like, because, you know, <laughs> Canadians are so conditioned by American media, mm-hmm. right, that they say things like that. A big one is D.A. Like, there's no fucking D.A. in Canada. Right. The biggest so, one is First Amendment. That's what I see. It's my First oh Amendment. God, right? The amendments. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And I'm like, do you know your your rights because you're not in Detroit, bro. <laughs> First Amendment is the right to bear arms, right? No, well, freedom no. of speech. No? Oh, speech. And that's why they need the Second Amendment. Second the right Amendment. to bear arms. Right. If you if you could say whatever the fuck you want, you need to be able to carry a gun. <laughs> True. <laughs> two things go hand in hand. Uh, yeah, though it's crazy though that uh, people think that there are obviously some similarities, but there's a, is there an a, equivalent? DA like is there a district attorney like a higher level has a whole region more powerful brings the charges prosecutor for each region we call them crown attorney oh okay. yeah not as fun not as fun <laughs> <laughs> if you don't watch a lot of tv you'd never know the difference yeah true yeah Holy shit. And yeah, when like when I was saying, asked before too, well, you know, the judge gets pissed, the Congress gets pissed when um, it's, you know, the, it's because of the arresting officer that messed it up. 
for you or for any lawyer sitting on the other side, like inside, you're, you obviously can't celebrate in the courtroom, but inside you're just like, <laughs> ha, yes, you jackass. Like, it is delicious. It is such a good feeling. <laughs> it is such a good Wait, feeling. Let's back up a step here and like, what what made you from the beginning go, I want to be a defense lawyer, not a prosecutor or whatever? Prosecutors thrive on putting people behind bars. That's disgusting. And that is, it's, it's such a weird and I understand the morals of it. Like people do bad things. They need to be punished. We need like, I get that, but jail is such a blunt instrument. And I think that is enough for me to say, I can't do that job. Yeah. Is, is that the people that eventually become judges? Oftentimes it is actually. <laughs> oh, right. Often there was reason. Do you, do you see, do you see the mentality change a bit when, when, when the people become judges and actually in control instead of just trying to earn the stars and put somebody in jail? Judges are just people with their biases, with their idiosyncrasies. They don't change. They be, they're crowns who became judges. Some of them are very thorough, very thoughtful, very intelligent, um, and sometimes surprise you in taking defense-friendly positions. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, I mean, defense lawyers know who the crowny judges are, and we say, uh, you got a bad draw on this one. You have a case that's... <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. guy's li- this guy likes to like motherfuckers up. You go yeah. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's really that. It's, you have a really bad case. You have a really tough judge. Not a judge who's going to be friendly to your self-defense claim here or your charter <laughs> claim here. It's tough. Damn. So let's stick with where Amy was going with this. Actually, let's get a little more background on you uh, before, you know, making that decision. What's which uh, area of law you wanted to get into? What made you even want to get into law? Like, is were you were you hanging around people and you saw them get a uh, not a fair shake? Was like, what was it exactly? Is it a history of law in your family? What was the oh, deal? No, no history of law in my family. I'm the first lawyer. Okay. Um, my brother was arrested when I was 16 on false allegations. He was only in jail for the weekend, but he was also under 18. And he just gets picked up by Durham police. Durham is this small city adjacent to Toronto, just region mm-hmm. adjacent to Toronto, uh, known not to be the most uh, kind to racialized. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they have a long history of arresting black people, treating black people like shit. Sounds uh, like America. It sounds like America. It, it, it is, in my experience, one of the top five worst regions in the pro in the province. It's just Shit, not bro. good. It's. I think they're still under review right now for corruption, um, wow. but they were recently, at least, under review, and it's just a bad, bad place. For, and that's where I grew up. Okay. So seeing my brother get arrested, seeing a lot of my friends get arrested. Um, I was arrested when I was sixteen, mm-hmm. all by Durham police. Um, for shit that I did not do. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, it's, a, it's a sense of powerlessness where you have no idea what you're doing. You trust the, uh, I guess, America public defender, but we call them duty counsel. You trust them to assist you in the process. And if they can, they do. If, they, if it's beyond their scope, they tell you, good luck. I don't know. You can hire a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a real lawyer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, or hire another lawyer. And it's, it's brutal. So for me, getting into the system meant that I can help people who are, similarly situated who don't know what they're doing and mm-hmm. help them out and help them navigate the system. And if they're guilty, they're guilty. And that's not, I didn't commit the crime. I'm not going to, I'm not going to jail at the end of the day. So my priority is to help someone get out of jail if plausible or help them find a resolution that best fits them. 
-hmm. So wait, I've got two things here. One is what, what kind of internal conflict do you have, if any, when you know your client is guilty as sin and you're still over here trying to get them off? It depends. Um, usually there's no moral conflict because I, everyone says this, I'm just doing my job. But beyond right. that, I'm doing my job in a way that I am kind of being conscious of what's really going on. If I, like, I'm not going to launch fanciful defenses. I'm not going to be someone's mouthpiece. If they want me to make a defense that just does not make any sense, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, they can find another lawyer who will do it that do it for them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's generally how I kind of dissipate that issue. Um, there are some clients though who I know uh, have twenty kilos of coke and <laughs> are. Like, I, I don't know how to tell you that you're you're innocent, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the police probably made a mistake somewhere along the lines. There's probably a charter challenge somewhere along the lines, and if there is, and it's successful, and you walk. And one, you don't get your coke back, so that's <laughs> right. not my problem. And two, I mean, police do a better job next time. Don't violate people's rights. That's why I don't call it technicality, because it's not that hard not to violate someone's rights. It's, I don't know, it's a, it's a, the Constitution is a bottom line. This is a minimum you need to do, police. And if they so frequently just can't do that, then sorry, you don't get to get, take my client. Yeah, <laughs> He's going to walk. Yeah, that reminds so, me. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Amy. Well, no, my second thing was like, do you mind us asking what you got arrested for when you were 16 that you didn't do? I was arrested for a robbery. Um, some guy called me the N-word. Um, and you know what? I probably would have fought him uh, <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> but I didn't. But someone else I was with um, hit him in the face. And I was like, hey, bro, like, calm the fuck down. This is not, mm -hmm. this is not, nothing happened yet. Relax. Yep. And apparently that guy took the other guy's hat or something. Um, and the police came to my house four hours later and they're like, yeah, we have a report of this. And they had all these witness statements saying, I didn't do anything. I wasn't hitting anybody. I was trying to stop this other guy. And the police talk, I'm talking to me and I'm 16 and I'm like, I, so you have no evidence. The evidence you have is that I did nothing wrong and I'm trying to pull this guy off. Mm -hmm. And the cop's like, yeah, we're still going to arrest you and let the courts deal with it. My mom has no, like, no one in my family has any any background in law, so for them it's all scary. For me, it's all scary, especially because I wanted to get into law later on, and I was like, I don't want to have a youth right. record. Um, for ro it was a robbery they charged me with because of theft and assault that equals robbery, and I'm mm -hmm. like, that's not what I did. Um, oh, shit, eh? So were you convicted? Nope, I did some anger management or some <laughs> theft management. I don't know what it was. It was an eight week course, and then they put me on a peace bond, which is essentially. Yeah, it was, it was, I was not impressed with it at all. I look back on it now <laughs> and I'm very pissed off because I know for a fact I would have won if I went to trial. Yeah. And the duty council told me, oh, yeah, you're looking at jail time. Also, not true. Even if you convict me for what he did, that's not jail time for a mm -hmm. kid. So, a big reason I want to, I am in law is because there's just not enough good lawyers <laughs> who can help. Everybody and there's too many people who are involved in the system, and there's not enough good lawyers who are able to help everybody. Mm. So, is that somebody who's just like being lazy and doesn't feel like doing it, or is that not like not educated well enough lawyer? It it it's difficult for me to think that someone is that dumb that they think right. that I'm right. in jail for this. If they think that, I mean, they have been failed by their alma mater, and they should get their money back. <laughs> so, 
Mm. So lazy. Lazy. I think I think it's lazy. Yeah. Uh, Sharif and uh, and Effie, another person who you know, <clears throat> really not like I was completely like I thought there's no uh, uh, like uh, racial profiling or so so to speak, right? Or even like cops planting things on people in Canada. Obviously, I knew it happened, but especially Sharif really opened my eyes to fucking how often it happens in Canada. Um, now you just mentioned yourself growing up in Durham County, right? You, your brother, many of your friends went through this shit. Once you've turned into a professional and you're a lawyer in the law, like industry law world, is racism something that you also have had to face? Personally, probably some, but not often. I'm in a good office space. Um, okay. And I feel very confident in that office space that if you want to be racist towards, I mean, no one in the office would be racist towards me and I wouldn't well, have yeah. any of that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I would not think so. Um, no, not from police either. Um, I've been carded, uh, ID'd, kind of like a random ID'd by police oh, yeah? mm-hmm. um, as professional where they're like, oh, can I see your law society ID? And I'm like, mm, don't have one yet because I've only became a lawyer since the pandemic and they don't have cards yet. So, so no, not often, not from police yet. Yeah, how did that screw things up too? The pandemic, because you finished law school in what 2019? Is that right? Yeah. Or, or I know I don't even know the problem. There's articling and all that stuff. I'm not sure what's what. <laughs> you so you could go be hired as a lawyer as of 2019. Is that correct? As of 2020, 2019, finished law school. So you have 10 months of articling, which is apprenticeship essentially. Okay. And okay. then you become a lawyer. Okay. Is there like a passing the bar thing? Yep. Yeah. 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 So what? Uh, for someone like you in that position, right? Like, like you said, you still don't have that that ID card you need, <laughs> right? Like, how much did that fuck shit up? Like, what other kinds of things got affected by that? Were, was your career delayed by by that? No, but it was very difficult to find a job. It was very difficult <laughs> to find. Yeah, no one was hiring. People are were firing crazy because they were like, mm. "There's no business. Courts are closed down." And I got called in the middle of I get the first couple of months of the pandemic, oh. and not fun. It was it was a difficult situation to navigate and figure out how to get back on track. I feel like oh. this might be a dumb question, but like, what kind of circumstance would a cop be asking you for that card in? Uh, <laughs> there's almost no good circumstance that they okay. ask me for okay. it. <laughs> but it's usually when I'm at the courthouse and I'm in an area that is um, for lawyers only. Um, Great. And I'm like, this is I'm like I have a suit on, so I mean. I don't know what to tell you. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. Leave me alone. Don't ask me questions. <laughs> what were you going to say, Chris? How long, I was going to say, how long were the courts shut down? And what did, what does that mean if the courts were shut down? That means just people... It's just a free-for-all. Through... Commit all the crime you can. Yes, no, no, no. But I mean, like, do, do people just go to holding cells and just wait up until the courts open up? The bail courts were open, so you can get bail. But if you were in a trial, nope. It sucks oh, for you. No. Oh. And that was for, I think, from March until June or July of 2020. So there were thousands, oh and there still are thousands of cases that are just My delayed, God. delayed, delayed. And you can the, have you guys not been doing the within reason like Zoom type stuff? We do a lot of Zoom, and they started that a lot in July, um, mm. but they weren't doing it before. And I don't know what took them so long to really get get on it. Mm. But now there are thousands, probably tens of thousands of cases in the system that are just so far behind we have clients who are looking at trial dates in 2023 like december mm, i'd be so fucking mad right. oh, oh. Mm. my god and does that does that that will be counted as that time though right 
It would be, yeah. But you have a right so, to get a trial within a reasonable Which is time. great until you weren't going to get sentenced to any time. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is brutal. That's that's yeah. fucked up, though. Like you said, what, what took them so long to get, you know, Zoom or some sort of video thing going on? Because they've had video bail going on for years. And the other difficult thing to kind of square with this is why are there so many cases in the system? Why are these cases of people stealing from LCBO still in the system? It just mm. does not make sense from a financial point of view. doesn't make sense from a justice point of view, from a public safety point of view. There's nothing beneficial. There's mm-hmm. crowns, clerks, judges who are adjudicating these issues, and there's real criminals who are out there uh, who need to have their case adjudicated, who have a right to have their case adjudicated, mm. and they just get to wait and wait and wait in jail, and then a year, a year and a half later, and then you get acquitted, no. And... What you what Wait, you keep think? mentioning this L, whatever it is. Like, I take it this is like a Walmart or something not serious store. Oh, the LCBO. It's a oh, it's liquor, liquor store. store. Oh, it's a liquor store. Great. Yeah, yeah okay. it's a liquor store. So, what do you think should happen to somebody who steals from a liquor store? Should it be something like uh, community service hours and a fine or something? Yeah, and, and, and so so the, so the system doesn't waste time on them. Just slap a slap a fine in twenty hours on them and let them go. That's it. <laughs> Most of the people who are who are stealing from LCBO have addiction issues. Have uh, yeah, yeah, poverty and I mean the real issue you need to deal with is the poverty the real issue you need to deal with is the addictions it's not the theft, the theft is really tertiary at that point we need to focus mm-hmm. on the first two issues and if we do that they probably won't steal from the LCBO because they can buy a bottle if they wanted to and they can control <laughs> the issues um, but if we don't do that we just leave people and say well sorry alcoholic uh, you keep stealing, we're going to put you in jail you'll get out, you're still not properly housed you still don't have the proper resources Please don't steal again. And when they do yeah, it, they're yeah. like, oh, my gosh, what happened? What do we do with this person? More jail, maybe? And then and they do that. And, they- <laughs> oh. and what is it? That's, the, that's theft under 5000 for like a $15 bottle or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that does that get you jail time? Not often. It's usually the people who are uh, doing this a lot um, for something that small. Um, but there's no resolution for them. They don't really get the help they need. They just keep ending up in a system. It's cyclical for them. and. Nothing there's happens. No, Do you no, have a feel? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, girl. I just one last one last one. Uh, there's no like mandatory rehab or something when you when you when the judge says you go to rehab instead of jail. No, they usually give you probation and they say follow the counseling as your probation tells you to follow. That's usually how. Go ahead, Amy. I was just curious. Do you have a feel for like statistically how much better or worse recidivism is up there than down here? I don't. Um, I understand that it is lower, though, and I. And that's my, my. Yeah, it's lower yeah. in Canada. We have more resources, <laughs> or we dedicate more resources. We have plenty of resources. We don't allocate <laughs> them properly. Yeah, um, I, we don't either. We don't do a good enough job. Uh, being that the 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 line of uh, criminal activity, I guess that you do a lot of. When uh, things like organized crime or drug enterprises, shit like that, is there any sort of thing that's like the equivalent or near the RICO Act like they have in the States? Um, Yeah, RICO. I don't do any of that work. Um, I do some of the um, organized crime work, but it usually involves stuff where it's um, there was some money laundering in one of the cases I worked on. Um, I don't think it's similar to RICO, though. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. But who better to ask than you? But you'd be surprised to know that a lot of these cases end up uh, in withdrawals because police do sketchy right. shit all <laughs> the time. 
I mean, that's another one, though, that like, <laughs> how do you defend against money laundering when it's very clear that that's what was happening? Either you say it wasn't that or you get a good deal <laughs> or you hope the police fucked up somewhere. And I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> I feel like good deal is the most likely outcome on those. Yeah, if it's a case, and that's what a, a lot of defense lawyering is, is getting a good resolution because your client is just fucked. Uh, and people think we just try to do anything and we'll, no, we'll tell our client, look, be realistic. You have the money in your house or you're doing this or you're doing <laughs> that. You're caught. Mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not a magician. I can't do more than, <laughs> more than deal with the facts. And I'm just, I'm very good at dealing with the facts, but if the facts are you're caught with all this money in your house, and that's, that's that. Mm. I'm sure you give anyone that hires you, right? And you agree to take the case the best defense possible. But what what kind of things get you real fucking excited? Oh, anything drug related, any gun cases, anything, anything fun, anything where the facts are fun, <laughs> anything fun, <laughs> anything fun. The people tell who us, are tell us a fun case for you. Can you? We have a case right now where a guy's accused of uh, uh, selling some guns and drugs to an undercover cop. Mm-hmm. Um, Difficult to say he did not do these things, uh, the, the actions that they're alleging he did, but there's a lot of issues that go on about in the background about what are the legal aspects of it, what are the defenses that we can bring, um, and I won't give up our defenses in case the Crown listens to this podcast. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay, how about a closed case? That was fun. <laughs> Let me Sorry, but, 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 but still, in this case, would entrapment be involved a lot, a lot in cases like this? There's a lot of entrapment, and this is one of the cases that entrapment's uh, no, no surprise to the Crown that we're going to bring an entrapment in this one as well. Okay. It happens a lot. Wow. That's what I'm saying, because from what I, I think, I've known, I, I've known a couple of people that went to jail, too, and uh, um, a lot of the times I see them, the cops let them grow. They're like, they're letting you know, you've been, we've been watching you for three years or something. <laughs> you, you, you went from three grams to three bricks. <laughs> now, now, now it's time to go. You know what I mean? So yep. don't you, don't you want to stop me at 10 grams and give me two click like, three months in jail and be like, come down, buddy. Yeah. Nope. That's, that's what I'm saying. Wouldn't, would, would that be sort of entrapment? I mean, no, that's not entrapment. That... You're just being surveilled. But yeah, shouldn't but they do their long, fucking job? Yeah, shouldn't they stop you and be like, come on, buddy, come down? <laughs> I mean, I would imagine there's a fair amount of like trying to work up the food chain. Like if you're putting everybody in jail that has a dime bag on them, you're never going to get the guy importing the weed from wherever it's coming. Truth. I yeah. guess, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I knew a guy back in the day. Uh, well, the group of people, there was like, like a nationwide fucking sweep that they did. Uh, I forget how many people it was from like eight different provinces and the cops did the raid at the same time in every province. Shut up. Yeah. Um, So one of the, I knew a few of the people that were really involved in it. And the one guy, this is how the cops got into people around here where I live. So he hung out at a a local bar all the time, day in and day out strip club. There's a guy started (laughs) hanging out there by himself all the time. So they go outside, have a cigarette. This guy go and shoot the shit with them. So one day the guy asked him, you know where I get any Coke? This guy sells Coke, sold him a half gram of Coke. They went in, drank some beers, did whatever. Days went on. They became better friends. So this guy from the bar that this other guy knew met starts coming around. I've been at house or I was at house parties where I saw this guy sniff cocaine. Turns out in the end, this guy was an undercover cop. He took them down. What? Where's the line for the cops to not break the fucking law? Because if you're doing lines of cocaine in front of me and hooking up with chicks and shit, 
it's like, well, you're partying now. This isn't an undercover fucking cop assignment anymore. So where is the line? Like, are deal too? They don't just do it. They deal too. Yeah. So like, what what can they get away with in order to get someone? They can get away with a lot of things. They can get away with a lot of things. Um, Yeah, that's all kosher. They can do what they want to do. They can't commit serious criminal offenses, but they can do things that, apart from their police duty and their criminal code provisions that allow them to do what they want to do mm. um they couldn't do it um so they take advantage of it they couldn't kill anybody they couldn't sexually assault anybody uh i don't think they could physically assault anybody either mm-hmm. um, but they could do do and deal dope all that stuff right they can do all that stuff they can fly you out to uh a different province to pick up some weed and they'll have a package you go pick up it's all set up, but they'll have a package. You go pick it up. The, you'll that ship that it back. to me sounds like an entrapment for sure. They put you up. They they they're supplying you with the wow. shit. I, I think I think the intent is what the question is, though. Like they, these are not people taking you and me off the street and going, "Let me see if I can get this random person to sell me some drugs." Like there's a reason they're no. You but know we're what talking I mean? about them setting you up to go pick it up. Sure, but like if they couldn't do that, there would be no such thing as undercover. I, I will say this. America has ruled that this practice that police in Canada do, uh, it's called Mr. Big, the kind of yeah, yeah, practice, yeah. the Mr. Yeah, Big. Yeah. You can't do it in the States. The state says it's illegal. So mm-hmm. Canada is alone in using this practice of setting people up, of getting them to meet Mr. Big, which is probably what you're talking about, Jason, mm-hmm. with the um, undercover cop doing coke at the, at the yeah. house. <laughs> well, but the point is, is like they're not setting up innocent people. It's not like entrapment. Like I'm gonna pick this person because I don't like them. In a perfect world, it's not sure there are terrible. Yeah, cops but you shouldn't whatever, be. You like, shouldn't be setting me up. You should be able to catch. You me shouldn't be selling drugs. <laughs> <laughs> All good points. All good points. <laughs> Let me tell you a fun close case that we dealt with recently. Nice. Please do. Um, it was a human trafficking case. Actually, I, I will say this case is still hasn't been fully decided. The judge is still deciding on some of the issues. Uh, it's a human trafficking case. The son is accused of committing all these offenses. Um, our client was accused of essentially obstructing police by telling the complainant, don't go to the police about part of this issue. Okay. There are a couple warrants executed, nothing against our clients found. Um, but we, th- we go through the warrants, we read the warrants, and we're like, this seems suspicious. Some of the stuff is just not true. Why would the police, who have an obligation to be full, frank, and fair, why would they lie in this, in this application to get a warrant? Yeah. So we challenge it. Uh, it was a, eight weeks of litigation that we had. It was hotly contested. We brought tons of motions. We had three other co-counsel, maybe four other co-counsel, and we were just hammering them. And eventually our client walked. The judge agreed that the police did, in fact, mislead in their application to get warrants. And these are Toronto police. These are not some police who have no resources, who don't have a lot of training. These are highly skilled, highly talented Toronto police officers who are lying in applications to get warrants. And for mm-hmm. me, that was a very, very fun case insofar as it at least allowed me to fight, 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 fight for my client, who I really believe is innocent and who just got a raw deal. And the police should be ashamed of themselves about this case. They're not. The Crowns, I mean, 
ought to have taken a different approach to this case, at the mm-hmm. very least. It was a kind of case that cried out for a bit more uh, kind of the Canadian values that you expect of being a bit more reasonable, being a bit more fair-minded. Um, none of that happened. None of it happened. But again, one of those cases where we hear from the judge, your client walks, and judge wasn't upset about it. He was happy to do it because he also believed our client um, mm-hmm. wasn't guilty. But you can imagine how the crowns felt, how the prosecutors felt, knowing that they fought for eight weeks. And these are senior, again, well-established prosecutors. One of them is the director of the human trafficking in the province. Mm-hmm. So you'd expect, again, a high level of litigation, a high level of intelligent yeah. litigation and we didn't get that, unfortunately, but we did get at least a good result for our client. Wow. Being so so young in your career, have you been intimidated at any moments like that? Like you said, you know, you're going against, this is high-level litigation, right? Like, do you feel confident and prepared in these situations, even though you've only been Are you scared they're going to retaliate? <laughs> <laughs> prepared, yes. Confident, no. Uh, no? I, I felt more confident because we had a team of lawyers, that it was several co-EQs. We had a real kind of cohesive plan of attack mm-hmm. and we executed it um but when it's just me and another CEO lawyer they know that they have more experience they know that uh, they might know more things mm-hmm. but i mean i read well i read a lot i know how to be prepared against senior lawyers and i i you know i do my best mm-hmm. yeah that's a thing too with the like we were talking about the weed thing before right where laws obviously laws change all the time but that was a big thing that changed and is there a difference like a a, a lawyer who's say fucking in his 60s or some shit he's set in his ways though those type of guys are some shit i don't mean to just say it's that type of person right who's they're like well weed's always been legal it's been illegal illegal it's been illegal my whole life it's wrong i'm not going to take a case and defend a person whereas a younger guy like you you're more fucking with it right you probably realize most of your life this shit's not really that harmful yeah um, is that is that an actually is that a thing that you notice at all? Uh, a lot of the weed places, a lot of the dispensaries will go to the senior lawyers because they have a lot of experience litigating. Okay. Not necessarily because of the issues that it involves, but it just, I think it's just nice to have an old white guy litigating for you in court <laughs> and to have have that trust. Um, younger lawyers, there's a, a lawyer in Toronto, Kareem Assad. She does a lot of this work as well, and she is young, racialized, and does a lot, a lot of work with um, cannabis mm-hmm. amnesty. Um, but often they do go to senior white lawyers because they have the cachet to mm-hmm. challenge the government. Wow, eh? I never thought about it that way. So it's beneficial to them to have that, the old white guy with the fucking gray hair. They, people love it. Criminals, uh, <laughs> they love it. They love it because it gives them, that's what they see on TV as well. As they yep. see the old white lawyers and they're like, let me get this person because if I can afford them, great and if not then i have to stick with someone like rick frank so (laughs) it's funny you said that though because after we had effie on i reached out to her and i said you know is there any lawyers you think that you could possibly recommend because i don't want to put the wrong guy on and he's a scumbag or some shit right and i was like and i was like i don't know how else to put this effie but i don't want some old white dude with white hair who's going to answer questions like he's reading from a textbook she gave me you and sharif so she's done really well (laughs) (laughs) she's done really well on that point Good. Um, but yeah, so just being at it for a few years, what are some of the things that, uh, you know, when you just like any any career you go into, you think, right, you're all smiles and wide eyes and oh, fuck, this doesn't work like that. Oh, shit. This, oh, that's how this goes. What are some things that have been a big surprise to you that you were way off on about? Uh, the amount of reading, which is surprising, given how much reading you do in law school, 
but mm-hmm. I think if you want to be a really good lawyer at a young age, you need to read a lot. Um, so it's just reading a ton of cases, reading a ton of articles, reading anything you can, and then trying to still like maintain a practice and figure out how to defend your clients. It's a mm-hmm. busy, busy first few years. And I think the difference between a good lawyer and a, a decent lawyer is a lot of young lawyers don't read that much because they're mm-hmm. so busy um, with their with their practice. They don't have time to read it. When they do have a couple hours, they don't want to spend it reading. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why working with, working with Sharif has been a benefit to me because I'm able to balance that a bit better um, than some of the other lawyers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the big things that's surprising to me. And the other thing is that a lot of people in the system are not fair. You will deal with a lot of prosecutors who are not fair. You deal Mm -hmm. with a lot of judges who are not fair. And that's just tough tits. That's what you got to deal with because (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's what your opposition is. And if you, you might get, again, great judges, great crowns out there, uh, nothing against them. Personally, but I mean, as a, as a profession, as a as a profession, there's a lot of them that you got to be ready to deal with, who are not going to be reasonable to deal with. You'll put forward a very reasonable position in your mind, and they'll say, "Nope, not doing it," and <laughs> you just got to deal with it. With uh, you hear stuff in shows and movies all the time too, but making a, a career case, right? That case that A and E does a documentary on and shit, and makes national headlines. Is that like, going to something- make partner? Yeah, is that something lawyers like actually dig for and aim for? Like, are you looking for that that fucking Paul Bernardo case? If Paul Bernardo called me, I'll be a happy camper and I'll take his case. I, yeah. don't, I don't look for those cases per se. Uh, I, we we make those kinds of cases because we look at the and I think that again separate. That's what Sharif and I do a lot of work on yeah. is how do we make this case a big enough case? How do we change what the issues are? How do we point the finger in a different direction because right now everyone's pointing it at my clients and how do we make that less of an issue mm-hmm. um i think those are the kinds of cases that are going to be career making i paul bernard is not going to call me there's other lawyers <laughs> who call. why not <laughs> come on are, have you at this point in your career been involved in any cases that did end up affecting legislature I don't think so, no. Um, we had a very interesting case in 2020 that uh, Effie was actually involved in. It was a very, uh, again, another human trafficking case, relatively straightforward, apart from the fact that um, the police officer called my client the N-word during his arrest. And the officer has a history of using the N-word. Um, the police force knows about it. There has been, there have been lawsuits about this and almost nothing has happened that case is still making its way through the system it's nearing the end we're no longer on the case but i think that case likely won't affect affect uh legislator but it will impact the way police and province uh, approaches sealing orders approaches human trafficking cases approaches dealing with police officers i hope um the big part about it is that there are other officers whose names have been redacted in a lot of the paperwork, um, who we know to have committed, if not criminal offenses, at least really, really bad acts while uh, being police officers in their capacity as police officers. And the Toronto police, again, they know about it. They're not doing anything about it. So I think that's the kind of case. <laughs> Hopefully something changes out of this, but who knows? It's, it's difficult. Is it safe to say that in that particular instance, this was an officer that Effie worked with? It was an officer she worked with. She knew this officer well. Um, 
she knows a lot of the officers who are involved in this case who are alleged to have committed these bad acts and again what's what's being done about it toronto police we know for sure know about it they have the documents they've fought it in court but these guys are still cops these guys are still walking around arresting people they still have guns i mean so in for- the context in which you're saying bad acts are, are you basically saying they're trash humans or are you saying like it would be a civil charge and not a criminal charge i'm saying trash humans and criminal some of it's criminal some of mm-hmm. it's definitely criminal uh, enough that again reasonable officers reasonable institutions can just arrest these people say we don't accept this behavior as representing police we arrest you we put you and deal with you in court they can do that they're not doing it so i mean so for, for something like that like the example you just gave us is that like well they're all unionized so we have to deal with all that or is that like we can just say hey this one guy did this one thing and not get entangled with the entire all the way up the food chain police department it's always going to be involved in the union and always up the chain because they're the Toronto police union, especially very, very, very strong police unions in general are pretty strong. Um, there are requests to change legislation and say, let's allow suspension without pay in certain circumstances. And people resisted really, really hard. Our premier resisted it, said it was anti-police legislation. Like, Do you not think that police sometimes should be suspended without pay? Right. Think there should be sometimes repercussions. I'm not saying every police officer needs to be. Uh, we got to play Monday morning quarterback and say every decision you sure. you make is under a microscope. But certain decisions obviously need to be under a microscope, and we can reasonably agree with that. Yet police don't agree. I mean, that. I can't so, imagine a union being like, "So what? He dropped the end bomb. He didn't mean it. It's just words." <laughs> <laughs> you would you would be surprised. You'd be surprised. Um, they would make a lot of arguments. Some of the evidence of racism in this case was um, text messages, clearly, clearly racist text messages. And then the Crown in court says, well, Your Honor, you know, these aren't necessarily racist text messages. I mean, is is that like you're racist? (laughs) You're not breaking a law, right? Like you're just a dick. Which would be fine if they said you're just a dick. But when when you have a cop calling other people the n-word and n-word lover and all this stuff and then you have the same cop arresting my client calling him the n-word we got to deal with that issue i don't know what the, what the remedy is but we have to deal with that issue we can't ignore it as an issue no, right i guess yeah. the better question would be like in that kind of case you're trying to establish a pattern and like where there's smoke there fu- there's fire there's not like a charge for using terrible language no no this, he, no there's no charge against this officer nor should there be but he should be fired or at least investigated if these are things that are true because Toronto is way too diverse for racist officers to be involved with arresting a lot of black people, um, especially in the human trafficking team. Um, so no, there shouldn't be any charge against the officer, but the question really is what's the remedy for my client who is going about his business, gets arrested by police, gets called the N-word, and he was actually released that same night but um, and then re-arrested later on, but what's the remedy for him? Do we just ignore it and think no harm, no foul? Or do we give it a remedy in some way? Toronto seems to be heavy on human trafficking. I keep hearing it popping up and popping up. And uh, have you heard of any, any police being involved in it? Um, or any power no. structures like that? No, I haven't actually, which is good. Um, I haven't, no. That's good. I was actually I was exactly, exactly expecting. Oh yeah, we just had twenty cops going. 
Oh, you just mentioned the uh, Toronto being, you know, way too diverse to have uh, racist cops running around. You know, I can go to friggin' Zares for Americans listening. That's a grocery store in Canada. I go, so I go to the grocery store, right? I can find people of all races. Uh, and you see that with all kinds of industries and shit in, in on, well, I shouldn't speak for in Canada, but Ontario. Um, is the Toronto police force, is there any diversity to that at all? Or is it mostly white males still? To their credit, um, I think they are actively working to hire more diverse officers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's 5,500, I think, or so police officers, Toronto civilian included. Okay. I don't think there's enough racialized officers, and I don't think there's enough in the positions of power that implement change. Mm-hmm. Having a couple officers in a, in a platoon doesn't do much, um, especially if they're going out there doing the same things that everyone else, their brothers and sisters of blue are doing. Mm-hmm. If it's just the same mentality of, okay, we'll walk around these same particular neighborhoods, we'll do the same particular actions, nothing changes. Having racialized cops there is a, uh, is a little band-aid they put. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really to the racialized community to say, look, we're hiring more racialized people. We're not going to solve the issues you're talking about, but we'll hire more racialized <laughs> officers and Hopefully that shuts you up for a few more years before there's another issue where there's another reform that we need to do, but we're not going to do it now. All we're going to do is hire racialized officers. Is there, I mean, maybe not super relevant to this conversation, but like, is there anything up there comparable to what would be affirmative action down here? There is, there's a section, there's a, in the constitution, there's a section that allows for affirmative action as Chiron. Hmm. Um, so I think that's probably how they hire so many people. But there's also a lot of uh, a lot of beef with it. People get upset and say, "Well, just because I'm white and a male doesn't mean I'm not going to be a good cop." And it's unfair for the police to be hiring this way. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, the irony, first of all, but second of all, <laughs> <laughs> how are we going to deal with this? Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I forget what the hell I was going to ask you now. Um... <laughs> Ah, uh, shit, it's gone. Amy asking something. <laughs> <laughs> my, my undergrad was in criminal oh, justice right. as well. Um, so I, I did a lot of work with police for the first four years after high school. And knowing a lot of police officers, being taught by a lot of police officers, some of my favorite profs were police officers. Uh, but it definitely does show you that there is a, uh, a bias, which is really this, this ingrained mentality in policing of... Mm othering and it's dangerous are you i mean jason and i were just talking about this the other night actually there there is there seems to be in my estimation a higher incidence of canadians consuming american entertainment and media than the other way around yeah um you know i mean you obviously are very familiar with like the da and the first amendment and the you know as as we are are you a I like all that kind of entertainment type. Like, do you like police procedurals? Are you sitting up there seeing if you can get bad blue bloods on, on Paramount Plus? I mean, like, are you a, a true crime podcast lover? Do you like any of this stuff? True crime, yes. Police propaganda shows, which a lot of it is, unfortunately, no. With the exception of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I will wear with a badge of honor. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for me, a lot of these shows uh, are so pro-police, so pro-state, and they're such they're so against defense lawyers, which I just, I watch it, and they're like, oh, you're the scumbag, you're going to call your defense lawyer? 
And it's like, you damn right, you better call your defense lawyer. Like, <laughs> or it's like, oh, like this, yeah, he's going to lawyer up. And I'm like, I get it. I understand the show. Like, haha. But we should encourage people to do this because it's their right and it's often the smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, police do a lot of illegal shit on these shows um, and they get away with it mm-hmm. just because it's. And we, and we sometimes want them to get away with it because it's the right thing morally. We feel that, oh, you got this scumbag, you used a tip that you shouldn't have been using or you did whatever it was, sure. and you caught this criminal. And people are like, yes, thank God he went to jail. And it's like, back up a few minutes until you see what the cop just did to get right. this information. <laughs> yeah. And are we cool with that as a practice? So you'd be more inclined to watch Don't Fuck With Cats than you would Law & Order. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yeah. He was a crazy one, eh? Luca Magnata? Yeah, like, that see, was... that's what I mean. Like a case like that, if that came before you, would you was that something that would be fun for you? Or is that something that right away you wouldn't even want to touch? I would take it. I would take it. Um, and I would not give a lot of statements to the media because that <laughs> feels like a, a misstep. Um, and I would just take it to court, tell my client, shut up. I would shut up. We go to court and we do our best. Um, I don't think he was great at <laughs> shutting up as part of the large problem there. He was not. <laughs> <laughs> Difficult <Yep>. clients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is quite the documentary, man. That guy was a fucking lunatic. Yeah. How frustrating could it be, though, like to, to have somebody that is so desperate for attention in that way that you can't even counsel to shut up? At that point, I might just say, look, I don't think I'm the best lawyer for you. <laughs> I'm not it anymore, sir. Yeah. I want to help you, but if you're not going to take my instructions, if you'd rather listen to someone else, that's your choice. Let's get you someone else who you can feel more comfortable with and you can shut up with. <laughs> <laughs> have you what, Have you ever had somebody um, leave you, let's say, and decide to defend themselves? Sorry, say that again? Have you ever had somebody leave, like stop using you or your firm and decide to defend themselves. I feel like that, like Luca is what I have in mind. Like, I feel like that's the <laughs> type of person that would be like, they want me to this and they want me to that. And fuck that. Like, I'm so smart because that's how he felt about himself. I can do it myself. We haven't had a client do that. I haven't had a client do that yet. Um, it's going to happen though. There's going to be like someone who's going to say, I don't need to listen to you. And they're just going to fire me. And I'm going to say, thank you so much. Have a great day. See you later. Godspeed, sir. I usually try to hook them up with another lawyer. I try to reach out to our circle and figure out if I can get them someone else who can deal with them. But if they're like, nope, fuck you. I don't want to deal with you. Then that's it. And it it is such a relief. (laughs) Because they're happier. They get what they want. I get what I want. There's no downside to it. Uh, Have you ever taken on a client where you're like, fuck, I wish you didn't take this guy and I could fire him? Yes. (laughs) that was a quick yes too (laughs) very very affirmative (laughs) yeah client doesn't pay client doesn't listen client has a really tough case and it's making it harder um those are the kinds of things that make me say i wish i didn't take this case on i want to fire this client and i mean if (laughs) if push comes to shove and and it's i'm in a position where i just can't represent that person ethically Yep. Then I just say, see you later, man. <laughs> have, have you or would you do any pro bono work? Yeah, we do a lot of it. Uh, yeah. We do a lot of it. It's fun. That's good work, too. Um, so what do you do? Do you do legal aid? Do a lot of legal aid. Oh, we used to do a lot of legal aid. I'm trying to do a bit less now, but um, still do a lot of legal aid. Um, it's That's the exhausting work. The province does not fund it well enough. They cut the funding 
Doug Ford, surprisingly, cut the funding <laughs> to legal aid. And, Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> a shocking revelation. <laughs> no shit, eh? <laughs> Doug Ford doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And he <laughs> has put legal aid in a position where they do not fund cases well enough. And they know it. And I mm. think to legal aid's benefit, they're trying to fund as much as they can. Mm. But there, it's just it's impossible with the amount of money they are given. I mean, he made $50 million in the last three years. He did something, right? <laughs> Not for legal aid. I think he cut legal aid by 113. So. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that's well, 50 went to his own pocket, probably. Oh, yeah. 50 to his own pocket, you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the stickers. He's been selling stickers. The stickers. <laughs> stickers and the blue license plates. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Yeah, the uh, I recently watched uh, another documentary on um, Carla Homoko and Paul Bernardo, who we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And like the, the uh, I didn't know I was much younger, obviously, when that happened. And uh, Paul Bernardo's original lawyer got the the tapes of them sexually assaulting these women Dude. and held them for fifteen fucking months and didn't tell anyone he had them. So after fifteen months, when he decided to come out, while well, all this shit's going on, say, "Oh yeah, I got these tapes," he was immediately taken off the case. Right? Yeah, and then they brought in oh, I forget his name, John something, known as Rosen. Mr. Mr. Murder. Yeah. When I was watching that, I was like, "Holy fuck, that's aggressive!" Do you want to do you do you hope to get a nickname like that in your career? <laughs> I really hope so. Yeah, that is a dope <laughs> fucking name. That's like a like a like a '90s down south rapper name, like massive right. cash money record shit. Right. Holy fuck, man! He is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant lawyer, John Rosen. Yeah, I'm trying fantastic. to get him on the show. I'm trying to get him on the show. I'm sure he'd have some insane stories. Oh, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> Mr. Murder, though. Is he, so who's like the Michael Jordan of Canadian criminal law? Oh, wow. That is a good question. Um, and you can't say you. If, couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm warming the bench for Michael Jordan right now. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a difficult question. Um, I think the answer is G. Arthur Martin. He's a former def- he's a former lawyer, former uh, court of appeal judge. We give medals out in his name for wow. the best criminal defense lawyer. I think he is probably number one, but I mean number two through five is going to be a combination of like huh, Mark Sandler, Frank mm-hmm. Adario, uh, 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 Marie Hannon. Mm-hmm. Though I don't know if she's fourth, she might be second or third. Um, <laughs> yeah, these and and the Greenspans, Brian Greenspan, Eddie Greenspan. Yeah, um, there is there a- as much of a stigma around that as there would be? Like, oh man, you got this judge. Oh man, you got this crown. Like, is there the oh god, they got this defense lawyer? Uh, I imagine <laughs> I imagine crowns and judges feel that way. Um, yeah. I feel that way sometimes too when I see someone's caught with a defense lawyer that I don't know is best for them uh i'm like oh sucks man have fun but i mean the other <laughs> way like like in in terms of like oh man we don't want this defense lawyer because he's so good like is that oh a- for sure yeah. for sure yeah but all those people i just named if you see them coming to court serious shit's gonna happen <laughs> no, don't send a junior lawyer junior crown to deal with it send your more your most experienced crown because this person is not playing games they're the top lawyers these are yeah and does it get to a point where it's like theatrics, like you see in like the gloves is not fit, we must acquit type shit? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. These lawyers are theatrical. They love it. They live for it. They're so good at it. Kim Schofield, 
another one of these lawyers who is up there and is able to do any litigation. I think what makes a really good lawyer, these kinds of Michael Jordan-esque lawyers, mm-hmm. is that you can give them a brief, you can give them a file, probably the morning of a trial, mm-hmm. and they are going to do such a fantastic job, better than I could do it if I had four weeks to prepare. And that's mm-hmm. scary to me. It is. It's, it goes beyond what I can understand. They're so, so, so good at it. So what is it that makes them so good? Just how, how do they pick up on detail, the years of experience? Yeah. What is it? Say, you think it's the experience because they're not so many out that they, that they look at the paperwork and they already know 10 different ways to deal with it? They can have, there's there's 40 year, lawyers have been practicing for 40 plus years mm-hmm. who couldn't in their lifetime be a percentage of how good these people are. I mean, they are, I think what makes them good is they read so much, they learn so much, they practice so often. And they, I don't know if it's a natural talent or an acting talent or what it is, but they can mm-hmm. control a room so well. Juries love them. Juries want to hear what they have to say. They're credible juries. I mean, it is such a, it's such a talent to be that good and to have such a good command of the facts and the law that you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I can prepare a cross-examination in half an hour and I'm going to do a killer job. Mm-hmm. Is the money there in Canadian law like it is in American where you see the, you know, this, the Michael Jordan type lawyers? Um, you know, they're fucking multimillionaires over and over and over again. Is that is that money in there in Canadian law as well? Not as much, no. So, uh, but you can you can still make a pretty penny as a as a really good defense lawyer. And the lawyers I named earlier, I mean, they're the ones who are making. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, those money. upper echelon ones are they yeah. defendant cartel made, members? The family cartel members. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you think I, about them. I have to step away for like 20 minutes. Hopefully you guys are still going on, but I'll be right back. Yeah, my my yeah, work yeah. keeps bugging me. The phone just won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> all good. All yeah, good. But, sorry. <laughs> um, sorry. Where were we at? You're um, asking if he gets paid pennies. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Those like upper echelon ones. Yeah. Like, you know, cause obviously I think that's another thing too. It's not as um publicized here. Like it is in the States. Like, you know what I mean? People know like the Johnny Cochran's and all these. People. Oh yeah, it's like people glamorous. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's the way it's presented. They're they're celebrities, basically. Fuck your presidents turn into celebrities. Some of yeah. them are celebrities before they even get there. If they're enough. <laughs> yeah, it's but but, um, but right, like it's. Uh, I think that's must be why if the money. I didn't think the money would be there. Nothing. The money's not equal in Canada where it is anywhere in the states in any industry no. for the most part, right? No. So I figured it would be the same. And you don't see them like, like I said, Mr. Murder, John, John Rosen. When I saw that, I'd never heard of him in my fucking life. And I mean, <laughs> that case was what, the early 90s, mid 90s? Yeah, and it was like two weeks ago I heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, defense lawyers know who he is, but I bet. Imagine other people are just like, who is this guy? He's some lawyer from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can make oh, some good money, though. You can make some real good money. Are these senior lawyers who charge? 900 bucks an hour dude mm-hmm. not not struggling not not doing no. wow <laughs> so crazy though yeah. holy shit and like you were saying about the the legal aid funding i mean obviously part of that goes to your hours right what you put on it but when you're doing like a, a bigger case and you have multiple counsels in there like you got to have money for experts and all kinds of things don't you yep like all like a multitude of shit things that i probably wouldn't even fucking imagine yeah, and I, I would think that's where the biggest hurt comes from is big bringing in things from the outside because, yes. like, right, if you're already going to legal legal aid and and representing someone, I'm sure that 
you know, you'll push an extra half hour for free or whatever the fuck it may be. But half there's hour? gonna but yeah, You're right. right. <laughs> half hours a upon hours, right? Let's be real. But yeah, is that is that a real big problem with legal aid stuff? Like it's you're rolling solo, basically, right? You're rolling solo. Or yeah. even if you have co-counsel, I mean the amount of hours you're getting are not enough to do whatever you need to do. Even if you get a budget, even if you apply to legal aid and say, please give me some more money, they'll mm-hmm. give you some more sometimes, but they won't give you that much. Yeah. And and a hundred hours, 150 hours is not enough to prepare for a big case. Yeah. Um, especially from reading all the disclosure, reading thousands of pages of stuff, watching hours and hours of video. And then they say, here's all the time you get to prepare. Yeah. It's not enough. It's just, and you often spend twice as much time preparing for a case. Yeah. And so you will donate a hundred hours to your client's cause. And the thing I hate about it is defense lawyers do it all the time because in large part, we don't, we don't want to lose. We don't want to have a case that's winnable and we lose it because of a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, and our clients obviously don't want us to lose. And they'll say, well, you could have done a better job. It could be the subject of an appeal for ineffective assistance. You don't want any of that. So, you know, we try to do our best with the limited, limited funds we get from legal aid. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Doug Ford listens to this and says, you know what? Maybe we should give some more money to <laughs> I'll, I'll tag aid. him in the post. Please. I will. Seriously. <laughs> He needs oh. to get it together. This is just not good enough. Defense lawyers are leaving in droves to go to mm-hmm. the prosecution because people want to have a family. People want to make stable income. Yeah. And you can't do How that. How dare they? <laughs> right? <laughs> they want to be able to have kids and be on maternity or paternity leave and or parental leave, rather. And they can't do it if you're not making enough money. Wait, is, there, no is there such a thing as a private practice? Up yeah. There? Oh, okay. I'm a private lawyer, private practice. Oh, okay, okay. I guess like the way that I'm hearing you guys discuss this, it sounds like everything is funded through the government. A lot Legal of it aid. is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Legally, that's how that works. Um, if you can't afford a lawyer. Then... If you can't afford one, sure. Yeah, yeah. But now here's the thing. Here's the thing, Rick. If So say a guy gets popped for fucking 25 keys of Coke, okay? He's been at this for a long time. <laughs> He's got money. But... Nice but... And... Kid, but... <laughs> His money is now tied up because he used it to buy that coke. The cops have the cocaine, so he doesn't have money. Fucking, and he has to go through legal aid. Now, say he has a bunch of things, like he has Rolexes he could sell and give you extra money on the side. Is that allowed? Um, depends. Uh, yes, it is. Okay. Uh, but you have to declare that money to legal aid. You have to okay. tell him he's he had some assets. He sold his assets. Yeah, and. He gave me X amount of thousands of dollars. Legal assets. Yeah, legal assets. I mean, if they weren't seized, because I mean, you also have to be a bit reasonable yourself. If he's like, "Yeah, I have fourteen Rolexes, I'm going to sell," right. <laughs> you might want right. to be a little, little cautious about that. But if he says, "Hey, I have some money set aside, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to pay you," I mean, make your reasonable inquiries. But that's actually what I was going to ask you, right? Like, because it, it also doesn't look good for your defense if you're like, look, he didn't have the money, but he's got fucking a safe full of diamonds, right? Yeah. That, that doesn't look real good, does it? Does not look real good. Didn't think so. so you, you, you dance around it in a way that is ethical, but that you can get paid and that your client isn't committing any crimes by doing what they're doing. Not a problem. Yeah. Like, I knew a guy way back. He got arrested for trafficking and uh, the lawyer he was using, he went through legal aid. Jason has kept really great company over the years, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Right. Yeah, I, I would have kept your pockets full of money for years. <laughs> um, so uh, 
the lawyer he was using, he bring in, it's through legal aid. He tells me one day he's got like a thousand dollar bottle of cognac he's gonna bring to the lawyer as a gift. I'm like, don't fucking do that, man. Do not do that. He's like, why? I'm like, what do you think that says? Like that even that yeah. gesture even is like some crime shit. That right? sounds like we're adding a bribery charge, is what it right, sounds exactly. like. Right, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, don't, don't, don't. Just let the fucking lawyer work the legal aid shit. Yep. Don't be bringing them bottles of fucking cognac. What do you think the legal aid cutoff is for income for one person? Their financial income. What do I think? I'm gonna yep. say oh, oh, to be to be eligible? Yeah. Uh annual income. Something ridiculous since you're asking. It is. 24,000. 24,000 is a uh, uh, generous amount. They are down to 18,000. 18,000. Yeah. Dollars a year? Eight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 18,795. So if well, you make more we're not specific that. about these things at all. <laughs> <laughs> so if you make more than that, you're not eligible for legal aid. So you have to make under that. Now you have to make under that and also prove you make under that. Right. So if you're yep. a drug dealer and you don't have a job, you have there's no pay stubs. You don't get direct deposit. Right. Right. Yep. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so then what do you do? Like you're automatically in legal aid or like, yep. is it so they is it best for them to go about that route? And then you dance, dance around the way to get other money out of them or. Would you rather have them come to you and with a duffel bag full of fucking cash and be like, "Yeah, <laughs> not that one." The uh, I think it's best to hire a private lawyer if you can afford it, especially because, uh, like you said, it's a lot of disbursements, expert fees, whatever fees. Yeah, Legal Aid doesn't pay for that stuff. I can okay. only do so much with the money that I'm given from Legal Aid and so much with the time I'm given on a case. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying out of pocket for an expert, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> if my client can't. Then I mean, and, and Legal Aid's not paying for it. It's difficult to ask. Um, it's better clients. The good drug dealers, <laughs> let's put it this way. <laughs> the good drug dealers, they know to ensure that they have cash uh, or money funds to pay a lawyer if shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Bad drug dealers are the ones who don't have any money, call you from the jail and say, hey, I was rested on whatever, a couple of ounces of Coke. Mm-hmm. This is the third time. And they're like, yeah, you know. It's like I got caught and I'm like legal aid again. Yeah, right? sure did. <laughs> so wait, this may be a dumb question again. I have a lot of those, it seems, but is is um our expert witnesses, is that the standard that they're paid? Like yeah. if, if you call an expert witness down here too, they're they're actually paid for that time? They're paid. Um the <laughs> they have a duty to the court. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of separates them from other witnesses. They have a duty to or technically a duty to the court. They don't care who paid for them. They're just here to give evidence. Right. Um, and that's kind of how we view them. But I mean, you can hire, it's hired guns a lot of the time. I watched the, it wasn't the Rittenhouse trial. Uh, maybe it was the Rittenhouse trial in the States. And they called a ton of experts. And I was like, you guys are just saying what you're saying because you're getting paid by whatever side it is to say to say this stuff this is not well that's why i didn't realize they were paid but that seems like that would be a real easy leap to make that like whoever hired you is where you may or may not sway your professional opinion (laughs) yeah 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 i i uh a girl used to date she's getting her kid from daycare and she slipped on stairs that were wet inside the daycare and hurt her back so she called these lawyers to sue the the daycare place and uh when she called, they said, have you seen a doctor yet? She said, no. They said, do not see a doctor. 
And I went with her to her first meeting. And the first thing I did is schedule an appointment for their, their doctor. doctor. Yeah. I was like, oh, I see this shit works. Yeah, yeah man. Um, do people keep uh, like, again, you see this shit in shows and movies all the time, like drug dealers, organized crime people. They keep a lawyer on retainer. Is that a thing here? Is that a thing anywhere? If it's a thing here, no client has called me to keep me on retainer. Um, mm. But they usually do keep if I mean, if they have the money, they'll put it into your account, keep it in trust. And if I call you, you, you know what it's for. Um, J- Jason watches a lot of mafia shows. I can tell. A lot of, a lot of right. true crime. A lot of true crime. <laughs> yeah. It's not hard to get in touch with a lawyer in Canada for the most part. Um, if you're in custody, you call your lawyer. You say, look, this is what I need. And we figure it out on the outside. Mm. We know they don't have access to their money um, physically while they're in, on the inside. So they... Again, smart drug dealers know to have <laughs> someone who knows where their money is, someone who can access their funds, um, assuming they're legal funds, they can mm-hmm. access their funds for them. Um, but that's the way you get paid. That's the smart way to do it. Uh, <laughs> you don't call your lawyer with a couple thousand dollars and say, hey, hopefully you can help me out. Yeah. You no know, drug dealers How- who are moving kilos and stuff. They are the ones, they know what they're doing. Mm. How does the process work? Like, let this is a really specific hypothetical, but like, let's say you're a single familyless person, right? Yep. You don't have 20 people that are going to hop out of their seat to help you at the drop of a hat. And you find yourself in an unfortunate situation. You're in jail. You have the money to hire and pay a lawyer, but you don't have a lawyer. I mean, what, what is the process? Like, if you're not going to be assigned someone and you don't have someone on the outside who can do that legwork for you to hire someone or find someone, how, how do you get to the lawyer part? They, I think in most police stations, they have a little, like, a book you can flip through to find a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to go about it, I think. If not, you, you better have a friend on the outside who you can call. <laughs> um, if you don't have a family, you better have someone you can call. Um, to say, hey, can you Google criminal lawyer Toronto for me? Because right. I am fucked. <laughs> please. Uh, please. That's it. Uh, otherwise, I mean, they have. you can look through the books at the jail. Or at the, or I mean, that's basically throwing a dart. It is. Or yeah. if you yeah. go to the jail, they, they write on the wall sometimes. Like, <laughs> some yeah. people who are in there, they'll write on the wall, write some names there and say, <laughs> call this person, don't call this person. So you kind of get a little, like... Yeah. Uh, uh, referral from the right. someone else. Yeah, yeah, but you're sitting in the bullpen waiting for to see if you're going to get bail or you're getting on that bus to Milton and yeah. hope for bail another day. That's what it's like. The conversation was like, who's your lawyer? What are your charges? Oh, yo, you should use like everyone's just talking about who should use who. Oh, I used this lawyer for something like that before, and they got it down to this. Use that yeah. lawyer. And there are known drug lawyers who just do a lot of that work mm-hmm. and do it at a very high level, do it for the people who are really dealing cocaine, really dealing these important drugs, real serious cases. Mm-hmm. Those people, they know who to go to uh, well mm-hmm. in advance of any yep. police interaction. They know if I get caught, I have her number memorized. So I'm going to call her when I, <laughs> when I get arrested. <laughs> Holy shit. I know somebody got arrested not too long ago again. See, um, do you hear this? Are you uh, keeping, you should have started keeping like a, a tab. This could have been I, a drinking game. I think <laughs> we're at four or five by now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the friggin' uh, the guy got arrested. He was drunk driving. Imagine. Friggin' uh, got arrested. <laughs> had a shitload of stuff in his trunk. Um, and he oh, I think I've heard this story. He ate his SIM card out of his phone, out of his burner phone, so the cops couldn't look at it. Um, they racked it. Oh, the the cops also found when they they got him out of the car. He had this 
the cops didn't do a very good job patting him down either. He stuffed the burner down the back of his pants. Yeah, they put handcuffs on him. He's in the back of the seat. He got the fucking phone out and he was tossed beside him, got the thing open with his mouth, ate the fucking SIM card. So they gave him tampering evidence, all kinds of other shit. And now the case is just like hanging in the air, right? Because they're not really sure where they're going to go with this. Yeah. Or that, like, is there... Is, is that does that create complications right there where there's obviously evidence destroyed, but prove it and prove if it was evidence that was incriminating, right? I mean, there's a bad inference. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very bad inference to be drawn. But yeah, I mean, it's a difficult, difficult crown case. So what are you going to what did he do wrong? I mean, it could be an eating the SIM card because he had evidence of criminal fraud on his phone mm-hmm. or it could be anything it could be it could be literally anything so i mean to speculate what was on his phone without mm-hmm. evidence would be dangerous and to sentence him i don't know what are you sentencing him for destroying evidence of of fraud destroying evidence of child porn destroying evidence of gun activity what are you doing so i mean it's mm-hmm. difficult to sentence him that way but he probably still could be sentenced for destruction of evidence because um, he did destroy something i mean they didn't seize the phone exactly again yeah. police don't always do their job in a good way um that is an interesting interesting issue i don't know how that's going to resolve i can see him being found guilty of tampering with evidence but i don't see a sentence being high because you don't know what you sentence him for so you have to be right so who knows well i mean there's the whole like innocent people don't tamper with evidence but like that's not a provable thing that's just a belief no exactly did anything else happen with this guy did he um, <laughs> he Would you like his card. number, Rick? <laughs> no, no, no. I. <laughs> the reason I ask is, it's, again, there's another case from twenty whatever eighteen twenty seventeen, where some guy ate a, he ate a memory card that had a ton of evidence on it, um, and police made him shit it out into a pan. Yeah. Uh, oh. Per- Turns out the phone, like the SIM card or the memory card, was destroyed because it went through his body. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and he was. Definitely, definitely guilty of everything he was accused of doing. He, uh, it was taking pictures of women's skirts, maybe even children's skirts at the exhibition in Toronto. Delightful. And and then (laughs) he, they searched his house and his computers without a warrant because why would you have a warrant? Yeah, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) There's your technicality. And went into his house, found so much evidence of criminal activity on his computers and stuff. Yeah. Um, videos that confirmed that he was committing sexual assault, a whole bunch of shit. Guilty, yeah. dead to rights. Judge was like, well, you went, first you violated his rights by making him shit this out. Like, get him to bail court. Don't make him sit in front of a thing to shit out for days. <laughs> Two, uh, why did you go into his home? You could have just got a warrant to go into his home. You could have mm-hmm. just applied for one. No issue, but you went into his house. That's a break and enter. It's a crime, but fine. Mm-hmm. You break into this man's house. You search his stuff. Again, no warrant to search his stuff either. Mm-hmm. And you're doing, you're just breaking the law each step, police. And the court of appeal <laughs> said, this is one of the cases that they were like, this sucks for us because he's guilty. We can see what he did. We have the evidence of what's happening, mm-hmm. but we can't, we have to distance ourselves from this shit. We can't allow people to please to do this kind of stuff break into people's house lie about stuff not get warrants treat people like this mm-hmm. and he walked so oh shit like, i just it. don't understand there is no simpler a protocol than go ask for a warrant there's no simpler protocol than asking yeah. for a warrant. 
Oh. <laughs> Another thing that we see more and more of too, especially with rappers, is they fucking can't <laughs> stay off social media and commit um, admitting to crimes in their fucking songs. I'm a yeah. huge hip hop head. That's just, I'm not I'm not blaming anything on rappers. I love hip hop, right? But but it's something you fucking see. Have you had clients or have you had people that you know of colleagues years about clients where you had to tell them like stay the fuck off Twitter? Right. Like they're they're no. out there. No, nothing like that yet. Or making songs about killing their ops or anything. The songs. <laughs> you know what? That's funny. You mentioned that today. I read an article about that. It was somewhere some guy in the States. I don't remember what state he was in mm. um, where he used rap lyrics. They used that to convict him of a murder. Yeah, yeah. Um and I do not like it. One of our students right now is writing a paper on it. I do not like the use of rap lyrics because I know how much shit they talk in their rap. Yep. I used well, to rap I in high school. Though, though. Oh, yeah? like, how, oh how shit. That... Did you hear that, Amy? He used to rap how in I high school. Hear that. We're, we're going to come back to that. But how, <laughs> yes, did, we are. how is that a passable piece of evidence? Like, it, I'm asking genuinely because like, if you then go down the rabbit hole of like entertainment and artistic license. And how can you prove it just because he's singing about it doesn't make it a true story. Like how does mm-hmm. that even work? Uh, from the numbers I saw today, I think 75% of the cases involve black guys who are rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the most part, that's the only form of express of, of artistic expression that gets used in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand its probative value. I mean, unless it's very, very, very specific. Mm. I mean, I, I don't want to hear stuff like, oh, I shot my ops. And they're like, okay, well, this is evidence you shot. So right. Like, that's <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, yeah. They still use it. I don't know. Apart from racism, I can't explain it. I, I, I don't understand how it's a valuable piece of evidence. Yeah. And it's, it's so prejudicial because obviously a jury's going to hear that and think, Oh, you're the kind of guy who might do something like this. Listen to this gangbanger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not helpful evidence. It's just. It's just bad. Yeah, I know evidence. Jay Z right now is trying to get. He's working with some people to get that taken out of like the law process, so you can't yeah. use people's lyrics against them. And it's a good yep. thing because Jay Z again when he was on um, David Letterman's show on Netflix talking about the first thing David Letterman said that to was him such is such a good episode by the way. Yeah, he's like you're you're. The, the music you make, rappers are known for telling their truths. And Jay-Z started laughing. He's like, no, rappers are liars. And he was like, the stories they're telling are bullshit. They're all liars. Yep. So I'm what was to... your rap name? I gotta say, Young Stretch. Young Stretch. This is the most oh, embarrassing God. podcast I've done. I gotta... <laughs> <laughs> and you answered without hesitation. I know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hold it back. I had to say it. <laughs> Young so if stretch. we YouTube Young Stretch, are we going to find little little Ricky? I I hope not. I I, I pray so. to God no. But if you go on my my Facebook, my memories, I see every couple of weeks or whatever, I'll see a memory from like 2010. Bet I'm going to oh, add you. Like, and you can just send them to me directly. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Great. This is my favorite. Uh, that's awesome. Um, on a serious note, though, aside from obviously why you got into wait law, wait no oh, on the same ahead, note. Sorry, go I just ahead. thought of this. So like if you. And not to make assumptions, but like if you went through a reasonably traditional trajectory and you finished college or started working in 2019, that makes you not that old. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. So that being the case, do you see firsthand a lot of like, man, I can't believe this person thought they'd get away with it. like I we were having this conversation the other day, me and my roommates that like how nice for us that we grew up during a time that not everybody had a cell phone with a camera in their hand. Yeah. Mm. So do you, do you, 
feel that way or ever think that like, how stupid are you that you thought nobody would see this because there's just people and eyes <laughs> and cameras everywhere. The cameras, I think that gets me the most because uh, I don't understand why people don't realize, hey, man, there's probably cameras in public places. Don't commit mm-hmm. crimes in public places because you'll be caught on camera. And I don't know how to say this isn't you on camera. Don't do it in public. Don't commit your crimes in public. Don't post about it. People don't understand the power of social media. People don't understand how much police can do to mm-hmm. track your shit down. So yeah, for me, uh, I didn't get a cell phone until I was in grade nine and I had a shitty little flip phone. Did not use it for pictures. Did not use it for any social media. Um, so I, I didn't grow up in the era without technology, obviously, but I grew up with kind of shitty technology and then developed and got a bit better. <laughs> Razor phones and shit. <laughs> oh, it wasn't even good. It wasn't even that good. It was a shitty little Nokia. It had a little red line on it. It was garbage. It was awful. <laughs> um, but definitely, I, I see people post stuff, kind of going back to the music videos and stuff. Yeah. What's his face? Top five rapper in Toronto got picked up on a on a attempt uh, after the fact. Uh, what's it called? Uh, accessory after the fact. You're a professional, yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got picked up on a second degree murder, cut his ankle monitor, and uh, holy who is this? Top five. Rapper in Toronto. You, do you know the name? Uh, Hassan Ali, I think is his name. Oh, I see, I see. Because there's a there, there was a guy in Bizlock. He used to like to make a lot of noise in criminal justice system. Too. Yeah, he's a uh, what is it? Egg West Crip. Yeah, Egg West Crip. Yeah, yeah man. And he was uh, he was living his rhymes. Yeah. Um, and he actually yeah, he was he was like budding. He was turning into a thing. He was getting cosigns by bigger names. Millions of you. Yeah, and it was funny. Uh, Back to another friend of mine. Um, guy, no, <laughs> guy, he got out of jail a few years ago, and I was talking to him. And he's like, "Yo, fucking, you're into hip hop, freaking. Have you ever heard?" He's like, "I was in with this guy. He wouldn't stop fucking rapping. Have you ever heard of a guy named Bizlock?" And I was like, "Yeah, you were in with him." He's like, "Yo, he's fucking nuts." As soon as he told me, he's like, "Yeah, man, he really lives his rhymes." It's like, "Oh well, yeah. now he's living them from a prison cell, so that's not real yeah. good." Not Both real good at right. all. No, man. It's not a nice place to live. He even started no. the anti anti crime program. Is it worth it? All yeah, 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 yeah. Him and JD Air and some other ones. They started, yeah, like an anti crime thing. So you know, maybe he's getting a little older now, a little more mature, and sick of fucking going back and forth. But let's hope so, because you know, none of us want to see people in those fucking cages. The cutoff yeah. is forty. Forty is usually the cutoff for people to lower their their recidivism. Yeah, they just they want to start a family at that point. They're getting tired. They're older. They're like, fuck this. I can't keep. I can't keep doing this stuff. Yeah. Well, he's, so they he's move away. W- one of his things was getting nine years at pretrial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So he was, he was, a, he was a thing. He was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any? Uh, yeah, so I was asked before. I obviously you told us why you got into law in the first place, right? People not getting a fair shake. What first inspired you? But um, outside of you know giving that, that's your way of like giving back and helping people out. Are you part of any like uh, any programs or working with any law enforcement or the communities or anything like that? Not law enforcement, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking you might be trying to bridge the gap or some shit. Nah, fuck no. that. Right around uh, listen yeah. to NWA all day long. Fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> you understand my playlist very well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do some work. I do some community work. I work with an organization in Toronto called Fair Change Community Service. Okay. I worked with them throughout law school. They do a lot of work for people who are underhoused um, or otherwise poor and just either homeless or whatever the situation is. They get tickets 
Mm -hmm. A lot of the tickets they get are for things like panhandling, uh, for liquor license stuff, or they're drinking in a park. I mean, they're... There's, there's panhandling oh, tickets, really? You can get tickets for that. I thought they just chased them away. No, sometimes they do. Sometimes police are just like, I don't want to deal with this. I'll just mm. ask to leave. But sometimes they have a quota to fill. And at least that's my view of it. They have a quota to fill. Quotas are real, right? I was just going to ask that. Quotas are real? Is that for real? I asked a cop this question in undergrad. And she said, no, we do not have quotas. We have performance appraisals. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and to me, shit. I mean... It, that was my reaction. I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> Is that we're fucking, we're doing semantics now? Is that what we're playing? Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> I've, I asked that question once as well. And the only answer I got was there's no such thing as quotas for speeding tickets. That's not true. And I was <laughs> okay. like, mm, that was a really specific answer. Yeah. That's oh, a very wow. specific answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Holy not good. Wow. Um. All right. Uh. Amy, is there anything else you want to get in before we let Rick get out of here? No, I'm good. I mean, I'm sure we can sit here and talk to him for a right. Yeah. Weeks. No. Great. Yeah. Um. And Rick, for you, is there anything that you want to touch on, or anything you you want know, you want to speak about before we let you get out of here? I'm not kidding, though. I am totally going to add you, and I'm going to bother you until you send me memories of you rapping. Oh, 100. I will. <laughs> yeah. okay. Good. Um. Anything I want to say? No. Um. You know. <laughs> Don't trust, some police. Some don't trust the police. Some fucking lawyer you are. Yeah. Don't, don't trust the police. Is a don't. Guy. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you get arrested, what's the first thing you should do? Uh, shut the fuck up. Yes, that's the exact right. words yeah. I was looking for, even with the yeah. fuck in there and all. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I, I, I don't get, people see TV. They see American TV. They see <clears> you know, <throat> everything you say will be used against you in court. You have a right to an attorney. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Shot the fuck. No lawyer calls. You never call a lawyer and they say, Hey, I think you should give a statement to the police. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> what is what helps. is your version of Miranda rights up there? Uh, I don't know what it says, but essentially it says <laughs> you have a right to silence. Anything you Pretty say can be used against yeah. you. You have a right to an attorney. If you can't afford an attorney, you can get one from legal aid. Here's mm -hmm. a number. Do you understand? Yes. Do you want to speak to a lawyer? Yes. Yes. And that's it. Shut up. That's the <laughs> end of the conversation. I don't want to hear anything else. I get so annoyed when clients give statements because one, they're long. They're always like three, four hour long statements because police ask a ton of questions. Mm -hmm. You could just say, I'm not going to answer any questions. Thank you, officer. Mm -hmm. Perfectly acceptable. Cops are going to get it. It's not rude. Mm -hmm. Or no there's no like a turn phrase like the uh, club above claim the fifth or whatever. No, <laughs> no, not that. You're in the wrong country. Yeah. Or you can well, say Rick, well, or you could say you can say nothing. You can just say oh, just thank say you, nothing. officer. Look, I had a, a case where the wasn't my client, it was one of the co-accused. He found out that one of his boys was uh, sleeping with his wife. Mm. Found out during the interview, the police were like, "Oh, Great. you're protecting him." Okay. Oh. oh, you don't realize that him and her have a relationship. Here's pictures. Here's all <laughs> Great. And like a G, this guy looks at the pictures. I have nothing to say, officer. Thank you. And that's it. And this is like three hours into the interview. And I'm like, if he can keep his composure and shut up, anyone else can. I don't, it's, don't talk. Don't talk. Don't talk. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's like a G. No <laughs> shit, eh? <laughs> yeah. In his head, he's probably like, I'm going to fucking kill everyone when I get out of here. Right, yep. right. This yep. bitch is done. And it was an organized crime case. So violent to ledge, but it was like a, a large organized crime case. Um, 
in the York region, just north of Toronto. And he, again, like a G, said, I know this is going to resolve somewhere else, mm-hmm. not in the police though. I'm not going to help myself. Police are, are never going to say, well, now that you've told me this information, let me go do some further investigation, decide whether right. or not the arrest was appropriate. Or, no, it's too late now. Your statement's going to go to the to the Crown, and it's going to resolve there if it resolves at all. So shut up. Deal with it in court. Your lawyer will be so much happier not to have to deal with that. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Amy, you got anything else? No, I just can already see the first post of the show. The whole tweet's going to be like, we spoke to Toronto defense lawyer, blah, 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 blah. He said, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Don't trust the police. <laughs> fuck the police. I'll leave on a good note. I'll say not all police, not all crowns, not all judges. It never is all police. It's capital P police. It's capital C crowns, capital J judges. It's institution yeah. critiques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's. I think that goes with anything, no matter, no matter what you're talking about, right? I don't think you can lump every one of like whatever their category you're putting them in all the same. Yeah. But I mean, as evidence has shown us for many, many years, the cops fuck things up. And the courts don't Way give people often. a fair shake and the crowns fucking lie. And they're like you said, you know what I mean? Their main goal is to put you in a fucking cage. How do you go around giving high fives? Especially like, say it's stealing from the fucking LCBO. They steal a 15 bottle, dollar bottle of booze. And was the bailiff and the judge and the crown giving high fives and shit like, yeah, we got them, man. You they, guys really keep the streets safe. It's bad. Uh, I, they're not that. They're not that egregious, but no, no. It's usually but... <laughs> for the people who are recidivists. It's like, well, what do I do with this person if not put them in jail? And it's like, are you that uncreative? Are you not Oof. able to figure out a situation yeah. solution? I get it. It's the fourth time. He keeps stealing from here. We need to deal with it. We need we need to address it. But are we what going to address it? What attitude do they have? That's actually a good qu- last question. Is that like I only have seen you know uh, whatever TV like Judge Judy and like all that kind of crap, right? Where yeah. you do see the little slightly creative like give the dog back, pay for its haircuts every week, <laughs> mow his lawn once a fucking month, and then I'll talk. you know what I mean. But like, how much latitude is there for um, a prosecutor, whatever you guys call them, or a judge to be like, okay, it's not that serious, so you're not going to be getting ten years. Instead, I'm gonna. Is there latitude to be doling out sentences that are non-traditional? Prosecutors can do almost anything. They have a lot of discretion. It's only challengeable if there's an abusive process. So they can do what they want. Excuse me. They can be creative and they can say, well, let's talk about a solution that actually gets your client some help. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if your client goes to counseling for six months, um, we get a letter, we can resolve it that way. We can pull the charges at the end of it. Um, judges also have a lot of discretion. They can sentence in a limited in a limited way, but I mean, there's not a lot of there's a lot of discretion. They can say, well, the sentence should be again counseling. You should go to probation and work with your counselor. You should live at a certain place. You should do like there's ways to go about that. There's a lot of discretion, and that's why I don't feel sympathetic at the overburdening system because mm. again. We can all agree it's not my fault the system's overburdening. I'm not the one arresting people. I'm not the one prosecuting people and adjudicating their cases. Prosecutors can pull a ton of cases out of the system mm-hmm. and deal with the issues elsewhere and say, we're not dealing, we're not built for this stuff. We're built for real criminals who we need to keep from the public. We're not going to deal with people who, even domestics sometimes, mm-hmm. don't belong in the criminal system. The other partner will call the police and then recant and want to deal with it and say, well, how can we address this issue without having the police involved and having the system involved mm. and having financial 
uh, ruin because I had to hire a lawyer and it cost me $15,000. And now that $15,000, like I can't pay rent. Like it's, it's just, it's such a bad system, such a flawed system. And it shows why uh, jail and, and the system itself is a blunt instrument to deal with a lot of our problems, like stealing from LCBO, like domestics. I mean, sex assaults, murders, robberies, that stuff belongs in the system. We can all agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, where's the line for you though, if you're a, a frequent flyer domestic? I think if you're a frequent, <laughs> I think if you're a frequent flyer, you you need to be in a system as well. I think, I think one time with your partner where the allegations are relatively minor, um, we can deal with that without having the system involved. But if you're a person who's like, I'm going to beat my spouse up, and that's just how I treat. It's usually right. She just never wants to press charges because she knows I'm gonna kill that bitch. But yeah. she is gonna call every month. There was a guy who killed his partner in again near Toronto last year he got bail he reoffended against her again got bail reoffended against her i think three or four times um and he was released on bail one final time which he should not have been probably mm. um and he ended up killing his girlfriend that last time and wow. he's the kind of person where i was like maybe i don't, I don't know the facts i don't know i didn't i wasn't the bail lawyer but <laughs> maybe Maybe he's the person who we should use the system against to protect yeah. the public against because yeah. he's doing this too much. But the one time, too much, get him bail <laughs> and we can deal with it that way. Four or five. Yeah. Are, are domestics up there something that like it is up to the victim to decide to press charges or is that something that like the municipality will pick up the charges and run with them? I think there was an amendment in the past 15 years, it's probably less than that, where they mandated if there's domestic call someone has to be arrested. You got yeah, to do, yeah. do something. If the police is being called any sort of violence, they, they, the police charges. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not up to the, to the victim. No. Which makes sense, especially in domestic violence cases, right? Because yep. usually the woman's afraid. Yep. Right? That's exactly what happens. They call the police, please show up. And then they say, I want to recant. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and it's usually because they're fearful, but often it's because all they wanted was kind of a, an intervention mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And they have the intervention with the police being there. Can we do something else other than just take this to court? Because usually it's not good for uh, the complainant. Mm. Often it's not good for the accused. No they have children <laughs> together. I mean, how do we deal with this? Is the best way to do it the system where he gets almost nothing? Yeah. A minor domestic, you're not going to get a serious criminal record for it. You might not get a record for it at all. Are we wasting time? Are we wasting money? Probably. Yeah. Couples counseling probably be a better use of fifteen hundred bucks for them. Yeah. Some, some anger management, maybe some anger management, like these mm-hmm. like life skills that a lot of people don't learn. There's a it's mm-hmm. called par, it's called PARS in Canada, Partner Assault Response Program, I think is what's called. Okay, and people do that. It's a course you do essentially. I, don't, I think it's a twelve session course, and oftentimes domestics resolve after that. Either the charges are withdrawn or there's a like a essentially a restraining order, but a peace bond. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually enough to deal with it. But people... I've Is had that like problem. anger management for domestic? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, respecting boundaries, consent, um, anger management, a lot of fundamental parts of why the person probably did it. Um, if that person's amenable to change, that's a good program for them. Mm. Does that need to be part of, the, part of the system? Probably not. Probably could have made that person go to the program and not have to waste all this time um and a lot of people do actually benefit from it they'll say well you know what i didn't know all this before and Mm -hmm. they change some people are just bad people and they're just going to keep 
not bad people, but they'll keep yeah. <laughs> doing what they're doing and the system needs to be involved. But for a lot, a lot of people in the system now, it blows my mind sometimes when I have cases where I'm like, why are you, why haven't you pulled this charge yet? What are we wasting the time for? Why are you wasting my time, your time? Like, it's, it's not yeah. a good use of our time. So in all, the system is not great. Needs a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work. And the police uh, should not be trusted to do a lot of it. Is there is there a point, though, where you have people that go, no, no, I'm confident I can beat the charge. I don't want to go into a program. I don't want to go to counseling. I want to go to court. Yep, yep. And I say, fine, let's go. If you're telling me you have a defense at trial, sure, I'm, I'm, I'll do it. If there is a legitimate defense at trial, they want to testify and say, well, what actually happened was X, Y, Z. Yeah, That's perfectly fine. That's their right. And I encourage people. I don't like taking pleas. I don't like doing pleas because. Well, no, sure. But I'm saying like you're talking about there's a lot of this stuff that shouldn't make it to court that shouldn't be in the system. Yeah. So like in those cases, are you kind of like gritting your teeth and going, oh, man, why do you want to take up resources? It, mm. it, especially if I think my client is probably guilty. Yeah. If I see if there's pictures and stuff, the police statements like, well, yeah, we arrested him at the scene. and This is what we saw. <laughs> he he was dragging her body away when we got there. So. Yeah. Then I'm like, do you are you sure you want to take this to trial? And I try to convince them of what the facts are. I try to lay out the facts in a convincing way to them. And if they say, no, 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 that's not true. I wasn't doing this. Police are lying. This would whatever's happening. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. You don't flat out tell them that in court it's going to get torn apart and you're going to go to jail. Shut up and do what they say. I, right, like- no. I tell them it's your right if you want to take the trial. If you want to go to trial, it's your right. You should feel as if at the end of the day, you had your day in court. Uh, my view of it is that uh, the facts aren't favorable. You're probably going to be found guilty. But if you want to go to trial, I'll prepare you to testify and you'll go to trial. I mean, surely there has to come a moment where you where you would say to somebody like, if you want to, I'm here for it and I will put my all in. But like, bruh, you should really plea out of this. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It happens every day, even for other non-domestic, non-serious offenses. It's mm-hmm. you're caught, man. I don't know what to tell you. Um, we can get a good resolution if you want to take the trial because you're so confident in yourself. Then, then you do it. Um, it's your choice. It's your right to be to a trial. It's your right to feel at the end of the day when you're sitting in jail that you you had <laughs> when your time. In jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I think I can, I mean, you got to be real with people. I would yeah. say that people want to hear it. People rather hear, you know, good idea, take it to trial. But if they don't hear that, I'm gonna be honest with them because I don't want them to say after, oh, you know, Rick didn't tell me that this was a tough case. Rick didn't tell me this. Rick, mm-mm-mm. yeah, put the blame Actually, on you. Nope, I want them to know this is your decision. This is my advice. Make your choice. Hear my recommendation. If you want to disagree with me, mm-hmm. so be it. See, that's how I know this shit's not for me, because I'd be like, bro, you just made a whole string of real fucked up choices, and the only <laughs> advice I have is not to let this be another one. Yep. <laughs> but you say that to them, and they say, well, you know what? It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. You can't tell me this. And I'm like, right. all right. Okay. So enjoy yourself. It's fine. I yep. mean, yep. Clients usually listen. Clients, in my experience, usually listen to you. Um, they might you know, take their time. They might want to you know go back and forth with you about whether or not they should do it but if they 
if they trust you and that's part of being good lawyers building a good relationship with your client to build a good rapport so they can trust your advice yeah Uh, if you can do that hopefully they just listen to you sometimes they're not going to and that's just you're going to run a defense and it's going to be a fairly weak defense and the judge is going to have no issue telling you your client's guilty sorry and that's that Hmm. and when the client when the judge reads out their their ruling they're going to say essentially what you told the client months ago in the meeting when you said, <laughs> don't set a trial date. And they're going and to, you just got to stand there and politely not be like, I fucking told you. Yep. Mm-hmm. I say, I'm sorry, man. I don't want to tell you, but should have listened. You knew this was an, a possibility, right? You know, this is what I told you was going to happen. So you shouldn't be surprised. Don't color me surprised here. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh shit! All right, Amy, y'all done now with your randoms? All right. If you stop, if you stop, I'll stop. You if just you keep stop, making I'll me stop. have new questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick. Thanks a lot. Hey, this has been a lot of fun, man. I can't wait to do it yeah, again. Thanks for coming too. My um, pleasure. Is there any? Uh, I mean, it's you know we have a lot of rappers on this show and stuff too. <laughs> is there They're... anything you want to plug? Yeah, exactly. They're always <laughs> plugging. They have like fucking eight Twitter accounts, two Instagrams, five shows coming up. It's a little different with you, but. I'll give you the same courtesy. Is there any, uh, you know, you want anyone to find you on social media or anything or anything you do want to plug? One thing I'd plug is Fair Change. Fair Change is a fantastic organization in Toronto. Um, It is solely based on volunteer hours by students, by lawyers. They do a lot of work in Toronto to help people who are charged with offenses get back on their feet. A lot of our clients have... um, whatever stupid panhandling charge it is. Yeah. But it's two, three, four thousand dollars of tickets. God damn oh. what? Yeah. And they don't have imagine, to imagine finding somebody four thousand dollars who is panhandling because they have no dollars. For fucking change. <laughs> or try yeah. to make my money for the less ticket, man. <laughs> right. That's it. So and to deal with that, I mean, so once they you know they get housing somewhere, trying to get a job, trying to get a license, all these things are barriers because they don't have the money to pay off these these fines. Um, And there is a constitutional challenge to the Safe Streets Act that we're doing. Um, Still in the works, been in the works for a couple of years, but it's moving forward. Hopefully we're able to say, look, this law sucks. We need to stop treating homeless people like this. But until then, I imagine they're going to keep getting tickets. They're going to keep not paying the tickets because they are homeless. No shit. And the city of Toronto and the province will continue to count it as revenue um, that they're making. Amazing. It's so you eventually just get locked up after enough fines that you haven't paid. Is that? You usually get locked up, but they get locked out of uh, systems. They can't get their license because they have all these fines. They struggle to get housing because they have all these fines. Can you and do it's... some time to drop the fines? I mean, like you got four grand of fines. Can it be 30 days and forget about the fines? You probably could. I would never <laughs> let my clients do that. I will, I will win every appeal before I do that because um, it's just such a bad system. Why the fuck are we fighting people mm-hmm. for panhandling? And they'll say, well, you're panhandling too close to the subway station. So that's oh an my offense. God. Right, because I'm smart. That's where all the people are. Yeah. And they say that. They say, no, you can't do that. But if you are a another charity and you're collecting money for the homeless in Toronto, right. you yeah. can set, set yourself up right outside the subway station and say, ideal place. We're here for money. Give us some money. Yeah, I want somebody, kidding. you know what, in your off time, you need to start a program where you, I don't know what it's up there, but like down here, that's like 5013C or something is the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. That, that's the that's the route. 
like get these homeless people certified in some way as a nonprofit and they can literally set up anywhere they want. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> That's a good idea. We should do that. <laughs> I'm totally only half kidding. Only half kidding. There's a loophole everywhere for everything. Are you a lawyer too? Sounds I like wanted, you are. <laughs> I wanted to be, but no, I would not make a good lawyer. Actually, something I came across of looking you up, Rick. You into cooking and baking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where'd you well, find that? Yeah, I dig. I dig. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Amy, uh, Amy's actually a chef, a pastry oh, chef. Damn. Yeah. Damn. She makes some amazing things. And who told you to go to school and have this career, Amy? Say it. I, wh- that's, Say it. that's the only Say reason it. you bring this up. Say it. That's exactly why. <laughs> Right. It's the only no, reason. Good, self-serving bullshit in the world. <laughs> I actually I took a screenshot. I said it to her. I was like, yo, it's Rick. And she was like, great. I figured she would have <laughs> already peppered that in somewhere here. That was literally <laughs> the only thing he sent me was like, hey, look, he likes to cook and bake. And I was like, fantastic. I do like to cook and bake. What do you like to cook and bake? I we're we're never gonna let you go. Is that okay? That's fine. That's totally fine. Cool. I need to learn to bake. I do pies, I do cinnamon buns, I, you know, anything relatively basic that I can figure it out. Uh, cooking, I don't know, steaks, burgers, anything. Chicken, nothing fancy. Butter chicken. Butter chicken? Bitch. What does that mean? Like Indian Ooh, butter chicken. Mean? She's American, I don't know. No shit, what, do you, you, what do you mean? What does that mean? <laughs> what, butter chicken? Is that a thing? That's, that's but, like, what the fuck do you mean is that a thing? Well, I don't know. If I, if I knew what it was, would I be asking? This isn't like a Canadian cuisine, my like girl, poutines no. or some my, shit. My, my girl's actually brown, and she calls that the whitest Indian food. <laughs> it's, the whitest Indian food. <laughs> it's delicious is what it is. Is it all you can I mean, eat place in the delicious. city I live in? And I fucking go there only for the butter chicken. The rest of the food is shit. But it's like eleven ninety nine, and I can eat my $12 worth of butter chicken. No problem. Oh, fuck yeah. Fucking <laughs> easy. And, and uh, non-bread. Non-bread butter chicken. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> All day long. All right, Rick, now that we're uh, done discussing dinner di- dinner plans, um, I'll let you get the hell out of here. Seriously, though, man, it's been awesome. I look forward to doing it again sometime down the road. Um, for sure. Tell Sharif I said, what's up? Push him around or bully him or something for me. I'll do my best. Thanks a lot, my man. Okay, Thanks so much. For Rick Frank, Amy Barton, Crow Kasaski, I'm Jay Kelly. This is Building Downtown. We out. Peace. Building Downtown. Building Downtown. Building Downtown. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.